Hello and welcome to the Better Human podcast. My name is Adam Wagner and I'm a barrister specialising in human rights. And this podcast is all about human rights. This is the third episode on the lockdown and the law. Um, and I'm again joined by David Allen Green, who is a lawyer and commentator. As I've said at the beginning of all of these podcasts about the lockdown, please do follow the government guidance. The Better Human podcast is supported by Goldsmiths Law and their pioneering new LLB undergraduate course taught in London. Their programme prepares you for the 21st century legal practice and is a great first step to a legal career. This podcast is self-funded, so if you enjoy it or find it interesting and useful, please consider giving a few pounds a month at www.betterhumanpodcast.com. Thank you, David, for joining me on the third of our lockdown update podcasts. And we're going to be talking about the third set of amendments to the lockdown regulations and the most significant so far. And they came into force today after being made yesterday afternoon. So what are your initial thoughts? I feel slightly self-conscious in sitting here taking such a ridiculous piece of lawmaking seriously. But at least the first two updates we did, there was some sort of semi-seriousness about what the government is doing. Here, the government has gone through the wardrobe, down the rabbit hole, past the second star on the left, and has ended up not in Kansas anymore. It's, it, I don't even know why we're bothering to take this document seriously. It just We're at the point now where this is just lawmaking as daftness. I mean, isn't the reason we're taking it seriously because whether, however daft the laws are, um, the we all have to comply with them. Yes. And uh, the, the laws still have the strength of the law of the land. And yes, we should comply with them unless they are set apart side by a court of competent jurisdiction. So all that is as given. We have to take them seriously, but we shouldn't be taking this seriously because I don't think the government is taking this seriously. And if anybody can be bothered to challenge this uh, latest round of a pathetic lawmaking, then I, I can't see how a court could hold, uphold these. But the question is, is whether these laws are now of any inconvenience to anybody to set aside by, by an application for judicial review, because I don't think anybody's going to abide by these laws. So should I just summarise very briefly the two big changes and then we can discuss them in a bit more yeah. detail? Um, so the original Regulation 6 which was the prohibition on leaving, and then um, it was changed to include being outside of the place where you live without a non-exhaustive reasonable excuse. So a, a, there was a list of reasonable excuses, but there could also have been unwritten reasonable excuses, such as um, you know driving to test your eyesight or something like that. Um, that has been completely replaced, Regulation 6, with a new prohibition on staying over somewhere overnight. Um, and there are a list, there is a non-exhaustive list of reasonable excuses f that you might, um, might do that for. At this point, Adam, can I draw your attention to the curious incident of how overnight has been defined in the regulations? Yep. Overnight has not been defined in the regulations. Yes. <laughs> so what it says is no person may, without reasonable excuse, stay overnight at any place other than the place where they are living. What does that mean? It's, it's, at least Cinderella had the, had the advantage of the deadline being midnight. 
overnight in and of itself is such a vague phrase, it, it probably robs the provision of any practical force. Well, well, I guess on a simple level, it means over the night. And, and then we have to figure out what the night means. Um, and I don't think the night is defined in law anywhere, although I couldn't, um, I wouldn't bet money on that. It, it it could mean a whole range of things. What happens if I stay out until, uh, shall we say, astronomical dawn as opposed to civil dawn or nautical dawn? It, it just makes no real sense. But regardless of that, what a shift. We have gone from a law which prohibits... We started off by prohibiting you leaving the house without any reasonable excuse to one which was then a prohibition on leaving the house and staying out without any reasonable excuse. And now that's all just been shoved into a new provision, which nobody was expecting. And when this was published yesterday, I think it took all, all of us by surprise. It took me by surprise. That it now is just for overnight. And so as long as you get go out and go to Barnard Castle and back in a day, you're perfectly okay under these regulations. Um, and, and so, and, reason, and, and Regulation 6, it stays with this non-exhaustive list. So when, when we talk about non-exhaustive from a legal perspective, um, it's because they use the word in subsection 2, a reasonable excuse include cases where... And then it talks about there's um, attending a funeral, um, if you're an elite athlete. And in fact, these regulations spend a lot of time defining elite athletes, which I was really disappointed to find out does not include me. Um, the, um, you need to stay out while moving house. You need to, it's reasonably necessary for you to stay elsewhere for work purposes, to provide care and assistance, emergency assistance, illness or in injury, or to attain medical assistance. You need to fulfill yeah. a legal obligation. Um, you're a child that doesn't live in a in, a, in the and same household as both parents. what does a legal obligation mean? So, for example, if you've gone out and you've had too much to drink to lawfully drive a vehicle home, uh you can stay out because that would be to fulfill a legal obligation. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, someone, someone on my, um, uh, someone on Facebook that I, I saw um, said, Oh, well, there's a easy get her out, get out here, which you can just sign a contract with somebody to do anything you want to do. Oh, then, I mentioned that in one of our previous podcasts. It's the fulfill the legal obligation. It, it, it's almost like tax law, these sort of legal agreements of convenience, which just, allow you to take the benefit of one clause or another it, but all they're essentially saying is that you can't stay out overnight but how are they going to enforce that it's it, it, it's a provision now which is so robbed of any sense it would have been better just for it to have been repealed outright yeah i i i think it's easy for us to sound like we're sort of lawyers um uh, trying to find get get outs of these important restrictions but i think that the, the fundamental point is you don't when need when to a, find a loophole because nobody's ever going to enforce them no when a law is so it's so broad um that it's kind of almost just indicating what you shouldn't do then why not just indicate what you shouldn't do rather than um anchoring it with a law um sh should we just do regulation seven so this is the second big yeah, regulation check. seven has now become more interesting of the two regulations because regulation six is the interesting one Re regulation seven has come indoors hasn't it that's that's what's yeah. happened this it's, is it's come home 
it's come it's come home regulation seven has come home we should get the lightning seeds to sing it um but what what's happened is this is the this was the this still is the regulation about gatherings so you're not allowed to gather you haven't been able to gather with, with more than two people not from your household for the for the entirety of the lockdown and now what's happened is you can gather with any number with, with with any number of people up to six sorry any formation of people up to six so from six people from six different households can gather in a group outside um and just to um for for to give david mead a shout out because he's been trying to figure out what gathering means we now have a definition of gathering a gathering is where two or more people are present together in the same place in order to engage in any form of social interaction with each other comma or to undertake any other activity with each other so should we just focus on that first before we get into the house um for what the, for does, the second what bit? does that mean uh social interaction with each other almost seems to me to be a tautology you either have an interaction with each other or social interaction but social interaction with each other just looks like woeful drafting it's just a rather daft way of of, of trying to explain something which is fairly obvious what this is trying to get at, it seems to me, is to enforce social distancing, but without actually mentioning social distancing. As far as I know, Adam, and, and, and I, I am happy to be corrected, but as far as I know, even now, after all the laws which have been made since, since February, March, I don't think there's a single statutory provision which actually mentions social distancing. And the two-metre wall is not anywhere in law as opposed to guidance. There isn't. So there is in Wales. There is in Wales. I, I do stand corrected. But the Wales lockdown regulations um, yeah. enforce, um, I think it's in, in, It's not in relation to individuals. It's, in, it's, it's for businesses that are opening. Yeah. They have to go uh, do what uh, I think whatever's reasonably practicable to enforce social distancing as defined as um, two metres or more keeping customers two meters or more apart so that but but you're absolutely right that in lockdown for individuals there is no jurisdiction as far as i'm aware that says you've got to gather you can only gather in groups if you're um if you're using social distancing robinson way of legislating why don't they just say you shall stay more than two meters or more away from anybody other than in your household rather than this elaborate definition of gatherings and then this attempt to regulate when these gatherings can and cannot take place just for the same effect as just saying, keep social distancing. Yeah, well, I, I suppose I suppose one of the reasons they would argue for doing it is that they want to try and distinguish between people accidentally gathering and people deliberately gathering. So, for example, in a supermarket where there might be lots of people in an aisle, and um, they're not they're not coming together deliberately. Well, unless they are coming together deliberately, but they're tend not to be coming together in order to engage in any form of social act, uh, interaction or any other activity. They're all there to shop on their own. On the bare reading of this, though, Adam, shopping is coarse because it says undertake any other activity with each other. Yes, you've all gone shopping. Yeah, we can't all go, sh but we can't go shopping together unless it's in a group of s six or less. I think that that's the that's the rule. Um, but even if we do have a gathering, we then get to the really, really daft part of Regulation 7. The Better Human podcast is supported by your contributions. If you find it useful and interesting, 
I would really appreciate if you consider giving just $3 a month. That's just over £2 via our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash better human. And if a couple of hundred people do that, then that will make the podcast sustainable and I can carry on interviewing interesting guests about fascinating human rights subjects. Just before, just before we get to the most daft bit, Dave, <laughs> just before we get to that bit, which we'll do as the finale, um, I just want to raise that reasonable excuses. So, so it's not that nobody can gather for any reason. Um, yeah. There has you have to have a um, a reason which is listed. But what's changed is that um, it's no longer non-exhaustive. So what it says is, the way, the way it's drafted is that, that subparagraph one says you can't um, gather except with, um, for, in more than six people outside or more than, or two or more people inside, unless paragraph two applies. And paragraph two has a list of reasons, but it says this paragraph applies where? So you, lo okay. you lose that um, wriggle room, the safeguard. Adam, can I just come in at that moment? Listening to you say, quote, where paragraph two applies, unquote, which, which is fair for you to say because you're looking from the legislation. Normal human beings don't speak like that. Normal human beings don't even think like that. And we're getting to the point now with this third iteration of these regulations, the last two which amend the first document. And it's getting so complicated that I doubt even that famous ideal judge of Drawkin, Hercules, could actually figure out what some of these regulations mean because they are so elaborate now. And as you, of all people, emphasise with your interest in human rights, a basic human right is to be able to know what the law is or to be able to find out what the law is so you can regulate your own conduct. We are both experienced lawyers and it's a bit of a struggle for us to now follow all these iterations through, let alone any layperson. Yeah, and, it, and it's not helped by them being... Um, dumped on the entire country eight hours before they come into force is outrageous. It's outrageous, yeah, really. Fundamental point that this law, as we are about to explore as we go into Regulation Seven One, which in my view is the most preposterous provision I have seen for a long time, that regulates what you can do in your own private houses, in your own private homes, without any announcement, without any vote by Parliament. It was just uploaded onto a website literally on a Sunday afternoon. And this prohibits, it's probably the biggest intervention of the state into criminalising what can happen in somebody's own home that I can even conceive of. And I can't think of any parallel. It's almost as if Entick and Carrington and all the great 18th century cases which provided that every person's home is their castle have just been sort of overruled by a Somebody uploading something onto legislation.gov.uk at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. No, 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 David, it's 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 not um it's not on legislation.gov.uk properly yet because they've not updated the the publicly available list. Um, so God knows how you meant to find it. Someone just sent me the link. But should we just deal with that? So so, so the regulation seven B seven one B prevents gatherings indoors that consists of two or more persons, which is a very strange way of saying more than one person, but there it is. Um, and it's 
it actually reminded me, David, I, I, and I think it, you, you, you've spoken about this in the context of libel law, um, but correct me if I'm wrong, of your analogy of imagining a single person in a room on their own. Um, oh, and, yeah. And, and, build, and I, building I did, a, the law. I did a piece for the FT once uh, on what offences you could commit in a room by yourself without any contact with the outside world. So no electronic devices or windows to look out. But you walked into the room without a criminal, without having committed a criminal offence and you walk out having done it. Yeah. Uh, well, you can't do it on your own, but a- yes. any, any more, anything, any human activity that you do with one or more person, which doesn't fall within the list, the exhaustive list of get outs on subparagraph two. And I'm going to read them just so people know. So the, um, so the you can attend a funeral, although I don't know how you do that. And, and it, well, it's it's because it's it's diff, it's not just the home; it's in a private place. It's going um, round. It's going round for that awkward small talk and bad sandwiches uh, before or after a funeral. I think. Yeah, person concerned is an elite athlete, so that, that, there's that. Um, reasonably necessary for work purposes or the provision of voluntary or charitable services now does that someone asked me on twitter yesterday a very valid question does that include political voluntary activities a very important human rights question well, there. we've got the point which i i think i made on twitter is that if your partner lives away uh, from where you live it would be unlawful for them to come around for sexual intercourse but by virtue of the work exemption here it wouldn't be unlawful for an escort yeah, well, exactly, because you're doing you're doing work. Um, so you can provide care or assistance to provide emergency assistance. Um, purpose of early years childcare, which I think does, it specifically excludes um, grandparents doing that work, doing that childcare. Um, enable one or more persons to avoid injury or illness or escape the risk of harm or to continue existing arrangements for contact between parents and children um, where they don't live in the same household. Then we've got that old um, fulfilling a legal obligation or participating in legal proceedings um, or you're in an educational facility. Um, but I mean, it, it, I find it very odd that they've made this an ex- an exhaustive list when all of the previous iterations of these regulations have, have used non-exhaustive lists. And I wonder if that's I, I, I think they've lost interest. I think they're just, this is just gibberish now. Uh, and the, the old regulation seven made a sort of sense because it was regulating things which can occur in the public space. And so you would have police officers who uh, would be able to see whether some gatherings were happening in public and they would then be able to, intervene but regulation 7b 71b purports to regulate what's happening in the private space how are the police able to do that what they're supposed to do sort of knock on the door burst in knock the door down do they need to get a warrant you know if they find a couple who don't live together making love do they actually have to impose a dispersal order what stupidity is this nobody has put any thought into this legislation anymore and as i said i think the government has just lost interest i don't even think the front front part of regulation seven really makes sense in the back half regulation seven no and 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 also i I think that lack of the the, taking away the non-exhaustive nature of, of reasonable excuse means you open yourself up to a very unnecessarily strict law which doesn't take into account i mean there's bound to be thousands of unintended consequences of this because it's a very it's a on its face quite a simple short law although it's difficult to understand 
but it applies to everybody's lives in the entire country. You know, what is going to happen with people who aren't in relationship, who are in relationships with people who don't live in the same household? How are they going to feel? Are they going to be chilled into not, you know, carry out those relationships? It really is pretty extraordinary. And the idea is that you can have all sorts of people coming around for inverted commas work purposes, even voluntary services, whatever, you know, whatever voluntary services could be applicable inside somebody's own home. Uh, but you can't have your partner who lives away or a relative. And as, as, as I mentioned before, a tradition, although a little bit of an, an urban myth, a polite fiction in, in English law is that your home is your castle. Uh, but 7-1, on the face of it, dismantles all of that, and it's a direct attempt to regulate what happens in your own private space. And in doing so, uh, hasn't had any parliamentary vote, no sanction, no, no, no endorsement by MPs. And it's just, a, 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 we're in a ludicrous situation here. It's wonderland. And just w one final point about these regulations um, that, and the point which is being, it's been, I, I've been beating a lonely drum about it, as have you, um, as have a few other lawyers, um, Tom Hitman, Tom Delamere, and Emma Dixon. Yeah about the process um, that is being used for these regulations. It is, I cannot imagine that parliament, when it um, brought the Public Health Act in, in 1984, imagine even for a moment that the emergency power that they gave to governments to pass emergency regulations, restricting everybody's movements, could be used repeatedly over a series of months to change those regulations without any kind of parliamentary vote or approval. And it just when seemed, Parliament is actually sitting. And Parliament's not. I mean, they're, they're doing it in recess. They're doing it, you know, and, and they get yeah. 28 days to be confirmed. And it it's it just seems like um, gets everything the wrong way around. And it's not just about uh, not trusting the government. It's that the government, that the parliamentary draftsmen for all the work that they put into this and the, and the ministers are just not going to get it right if they don't listen to feedback and they don't provide mechanisms for scrutiny. No, and the government lawyers who are trying to struggle with this, and I am sympathetic to government lawyers, having been one myself, it, they are in turn at the mercy of what policy and guidance is. And that policy and guidance is probably not being settled until the last moment. And then suddenly they've got to work, try and translate that into, into, into legalese. I, I, would, I would suggest... After this endemic is over, there has to be a review of public health legislation and processes and procedures and what you can get away with. Because Regulation 7.1, as amended, is, is the end product of a botched process from beginning to end with these regulations. And we have now start, we started off with something which was badly worded and illiberal but workable to something which is now just almost literally fantastical and there has to be a review on how these provisions are used again because this is a looking at this state i just feel like alan alan hansen watching some sort of dreadful defense on match of the day this is woeful stuff it really really is yeah, I mean, well, didn't he say something like, you never win anything with um, emergency legislation passed without parliamentary scrutiny? Yes, yes. You know, you, you, hope, hope, you, you do not beat pandemics with such 
woeful drafting. Um, I, so I think um, that pretty much co- covers it off. Um, <laughs> I, I hope we don't have to come back here, here again, but I think we will. And and I mean, my, my only response to what you said is, uh, and a slight pushback is to say, this review needs to happen now before there is another um, surge in this virus because if we're going to have to go through this all again with um, legislation dumped on us hours before it comes into force never seemingly reviewed and everything happening in the dark then I just think we're going to carry on with unintended consequences I suggested a review but of course on the face of the legislation the Secretary of State themselves should be making a anxious review of the provisions to see which ones are needed and which ones are not needed on a regular basis. Both of us are saying this power needs to be reviewed, but in fact, there was supposedly a process within the legislation for making sure that botched legislation wasn't made. And that was that, that just has not worked. No, and, and in fact, and I've been following this um, closely, as far as I know, so every 21 days, the Secretary of State is meant to review the legislation to make sure everything in it is still necessary. Um, now, I mean, f- for one one thing, the, the, a point that the Joint Committee on Human Rights um, last briefing paper on this made, which I contributed to, is that the, the governing legislation requires there to be a proportionality assessment, not just a necessity assessment. And I've noticed, and I think Francis Hall um, and Philip Havers QC's judicial review claim made the same point and in fact if you there's a little nugget in this new set of amendments where they've they they've said at the beginning it's proportionate and not just necessary which is interesting um but but i think the 21 day reviews do you know where that case is adam in in, in the process as far as i know they were expecting a, a letter of response a couple of a week or two ago um but i don't know where i don't know whether they've issued or not um, I know there's, there's been a grounds of claim, so they must have issued. Yep. Yeah, so, so I think they okay. must they must have issued. Yeah, there has been a letter of response. Um, but but the point is, the Secretary of State did publish, well, did in a statement to Parliament do a sort of three paragraph. We've reviewed and everything's fine after the first twenty one days. But since then, and there's been one review um, since then that there's been absolute radio silence. So, if there's a review taking place, it's happening behind closed doors, and that really isn't good enough. No. And I think there's all sorts of horror stories going to come out about how this legislation was put together and kept in place. And of course, even if uh, the regulations are put aside at some point in the next few weeks, if a court in the future holds that they had been unlawful at the time, then that's going to open up the government to all sorts of claims because it it may well be that a, a court one day does take the view that this process was wrongfully used and that the legislation was ultra-virus. But insofar as in challenging it at the moment, I can't see why anybody would bother challenging this. It's going to have no bite at all, and I would be surprised if a single piece of enforcement action takes place under many of these new provisions under Regulation 6 and 7. I think this is just some sort of polite fiction now. Well, well, I, I suppose we will wait and see how the police han- handle all this. But I imagine the police are just as sick of um, this as as you sound like you are too, um, and having to but enforce we, this. I do feel I do feel sorry for the average police officer who's having to try and work out how to, first of all, understand what the law says, and second of all, work out the right way of enforcing it. 
this sort of rapid legislation does not seem it does not lend itself to 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 sensible enforcement it's constantly being changed and it's difficult to keep track of and that goes against it being decently enforced yeah well um so thanks very much david and we'll leave it there and um see you next time on lockdown and the yeah well the next episode with iteration four of these regulations will probably be me just sitting back and laughing like a drain at what i'm reading for half an hour yeah well i think that probably get get a couple of thousand listens anyway thanks david thanks so much So thank you very much to David and Alan Green. The Better Human podcast is supported by Goldsmiths Law and their pioneering new LLB undergraduate course taught in London. Their programme prepares you for the 21st century legal practice and is a great first step to a legal career. If you find this podcast interesting and useful, then please consider giving a few pounds a month at www.betterhumanpodcast.com. That would be hugely appreciated. I'll see you next time. Please don't forget to follow the government guidance on the lockdown. My name is Adam Wagner. This is the Better Human Podcast. Bye-bye.